Hello everyone, it's Nick Desai. Happy holidays and happy new year, depending on when you're listening to this. Uh, the Nick's Notes episodes have been a little sporadic recently. It's my own fault. I have been busy building a health tech company to talk about health tech. And, uh, but I'm back with nine notes for the new year as we head into 2023. These are bold predictions, hot takes, obvious observations, whatever you want to call them. And uh, let's see, you know, we can go back a year from now and see how they, these predictions turned out, right? Um, the, the first point I want to make before getting into the nine predictions is 2022 has been a roller coaster year for health tech in, and in healthcare in America in so many ways, right? We saw a broad, you know, surge and then a real decline in COVID. And we certainly saw the political will to combat COVID with anything more than, well, we hope you don't get it and here are some vaccines and take them if you want, melt away. On either side of the aisle, their political will just does not exist, right? Um, we saw market caps go from record highs. In December and January, we were still in an epically frothy market to just crushing lows. There are companies who have lost, public companies in the health tech space have on average lost between 86 and 97% of their market value, right? And yet there are very well-funded private companies, but many of them are undergoing layoffs. You hear week after week, Medley filed for bankruptcy, Truepill had layoffs, all of these different things are going on. Um, and to some extent, for people who are old enough to remember, which I certainly am at the ripe old age of 52 here, that... It, there's a lot of deja vu to the first generation of the internet, right? In 99 and 2000, there was a lot of froth and there was a lot of high valuations, relatively speaking. And there were companies, Webvan and Quokka Sports and eToys, were going to change the world. And they went from big valuations and big visions to crashing and burning very quickly. And we're seeing a lot of that in health tech. And to some extent, that is to be expected in any boom cycle because in the fear of missing out creates investors who will plow money into a space. This time it was accelerated by COVID, which made everyone think, oh, healthcare is going to change. Well, guess what? It's meaningfully harder to change than not. And then as COVID sort of fell out of the headlines, I wouldn't say it's fallen out of our lives. In fact, a half a dozen people I know who were at the HLTH health conference in November got COVID from being at a conference about healthcare, right, which I find uh, uh, ironic and sad in some ways. Um, but regardless, we've had a frothy year that's ended in a sort of dire circumstance for some people and layoffs for others. And it feels a lot like Internet 1.0 and social media 1.0. And all of that, to me, is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's a natural process where froth gives way to, hey, look, this isn't retail like it was going to be, or social behavior like it was going to be. Healthcare is going to be really hard to change, except with healthcare, you're up against regulations and forces that don't exist in those other industries. It's going to be epically hard to change, and only people who build real sustainable businesses are going to survive through that, right? So with that uh, sort of as a preamble, let's get into my nine notes for the new year. So the first is that I think there's a prediction that this year, after AEP dust settles, for the first time, there will be more people over 65 on Medicare Advantage plans than on straight Medicare, right? Or we will be very, very close to that 50-50 point. Those numbers have been growing closer and closer to 50-50. I think we've reached peach, peak MA, 
has been peak Medicare Advantage, right? There have been lots of articles, data points, investigative reports in the New York Times, Washington Post, other places that Medicare Advantage isn't really an advantage. In fact, it's Medicare disadvantage. Insurance companies keep more of the money and find ways to keep that money in profits, and patients get less good health care than they would have otherwise, right? They get worse health care than they would have. There's a bill in uh, the uh, in Congress right now, I think in the Senate, if I, to actually require the name change of those supplemental plans to get rid of the word Medicare from the name, right? So you can call it additional insurance or whatever else, but you can't use the name Medicare. So I think there's enough data to say that the government giving your hard-earned tax dollars to private companies to then take care of you is not a good idea, right? And I think that scrutiny is going to go up. I think it's well-deserved, and I think these companies have a lot to answer for. My second prediction is that the other thing that we are going to start to see a backlash against, if we haven't already, is that insurance companies owning doctors and medical practices is bad. Right now, the two largest employers of doctors in America are the two largest insurance companies in America, right? More and more doctors are leaving private practice. And if your stock options and compensation are tied to the profits of a private commercial company, I don't care how good a doctor you are and how altruistic you are, there is an inherent conflict of interest, which is why most states in America have a prohibition against the corporate practice of medicine. And while they've found different ownership structures and rules that make sense, the fundamental notion is that a doctor should be an independent person who is acting in the best interest of the patient. And looking at cost from a population perspective, right, do I spend $100 million saving this one person or the same $100 million saving these 1,000 or 10,000 or 100,000 people, but not from an individual, not from a corporate profit and loss basis. Third um, is... The, there's been a lot of talk about this mid-level provider, right? We're going to delegate. There aren't enough doctors. Well, what happened? The loans to become a doctor are intense. Doctors are getting corporatized, and ultimately they don't like practicing medicine that way. And then over the last three years, we've seen an unprecedented politicization of healthcare to the point where doctors are being attacked. Right. Uh, famously, Elon Musk's uh, Twitter uh, pronouns that he announced uh, were uh, uh, um, impeach and Fauci or imprison, whatever those two things that they were. Right. And his obnoxious uh, nonsense notwithstanding, doctors, 20 percent of practicing doctors have left or are leaving the profession because they don't want to be attacked for saving people's lives. They don't want to. So. The counter to that has been, ooh, mid-level providers and nurses and nurse practitioners and nurses and nurse practitioners and LVNs and every level of nursing and medical mid-level provider serves an extremely important function in healthcare, irreplaceable. They provide care and love and the day-to-day -day implementation in, in a hospital setting and in an outpatient setting, but they are not and should not be replacing doctors, and we are starting to see, and we will continue to see in 2023, the trend that there's a reason you go to medical school and training for 12 years before you practice and prescribe, and there's a reason that someone who has two years of training or four years of training should not be making those same decisions, right? And that's no knock on nurses, and it's not to say doctors are perfect. It's to say there are different skills for different purposes. The best general contractor in the world should not be being an architect, and the best architect in the world should not be a general contractor, right? My fifth prediction, my fourth, sorry, I'm, I'm on number four here, is that COVID will resurge. And that's unfortunate. 
and I mentioned at the onset that I'm really upset that both parties sort of gave up on the political will here, right? Oh, it'd be, no one wanted to talk about COVID anymore, so everyone just stopped talking about it. Meanwhile, on any given month, we're losing 15,000 Americans to COVID, and we another 100,000 uh, Americans are experiencing symptoms. Each 100,000 more Americans are experiencing symptoms of long COVID each month, and we have no particular cure to these. And we don't even understand the long-term sequela of short COVID yet, regular COVID, as it's called, Right. So it is going to come back into the political sphere. It is going to come back into the policy decision uh, sphere, and it needs to because people need to be guided to what is safe, what is good, what is right, and we have to clear and leader our leader elected leaders have to have the courage to speak the truth. The marketplace will continue and should um, continue to shed and shred and uh, bad assets, unviable companies, companies that should go bankrupt, fire layoffs, you know, merge, uh, or just go away because they weren't good business models. Just putting tech after the word health doesn't make health better. It just makes it different. And different is not better. And everyone consumes healthcare and people aren't stupid. They are capable of deciding, I don't want eight different apps to manage my healthcare, or using... Uh, app to talk to a random doctor via video is not as good as talking to my doctor who actually knows my health, right? And, oh, great, I can get Co uh, Viagra online for super cheap and someone can prescribe it, but I don't want to get everything else that way, right? So you will see a lot of companies go away. You will see a lot of companies have to reinvent, and you will see a fundamental focus on lean, precise, value-generating operations, which always needs to be there. And in every dry cycle is when great companies are created because those are fundamentally companies that had to have fundamental economics and, and value orientation that makes sense. Uh, which leads to prediction number six, right, which is that we need to return to a focus on relationship-based care. And there will be a focus on not just any app, any bot, any provider, any doctor, any nurse, talking to any person is the same as you talking to your doctor and reestablishing that doctor-patient relationship and forcing and enabling that communication is part and parcel of building companies that are sustainable and those are companies that fundamentally do one of two things. Lower the cost of healthcare, right? Why is the cost of healthcare climbing every year if $200 billion of innovations have made us so much better? Because they haven't made us better. And the companies that will make us better are, are just now getting started, year, two years into their life cycle, or six months into their life cycle, or don't even exist yet. But that relationship care will lead to something else, and that focus on value, which is from siloed to seamless care, Right. I say this all the time. Healthcare exists in silos. Humans don't. Okay. You are not Nick the diabetic and Nick the hypertensive and Nick the high cholesterol person and Nick the mental health patient are not four different Nicks. They're all just one Nick, right? I don't actually have all those health issues, but I'm making a point, right? They, they're not all, they're one person. And seamless, whole person, coordinated, closed-loop care is going to be critical, is going to be the focus. And enabling that from a patient-centric approach, as in not fealty to an insurance company or a 
pharmacy or a when I hear the CEO of XYZ big company insurance uh, uh, retail pharma chain say we're going to have a stand in every aspect of healthcare great people walk into your stores pick up their meds and buy Doritos doesn't mean you should be a provider of healthcare or researching the next big drug cure right um, and so that's returned to seamless care which happened in the old days because there was a doctor and there was your family doctor and they kind of knew everything about you and now we got into this world of tests and data and it's all great but at the same time it needs to return to that level of cohesion rather than continuing to be increasingly fractured and pulled apart and that leads to the most optimistic and bold prediction of all I think which is that we are just at the tip of this iceberg I often say the baseball analogy, we're in the first inning, but today I'll use something different, which just was announced uh, yesterday in America, which is outside of the sphere of healthcare, but that we have achieved fusion that creates net power, right? The U.S. Department of Energy and Secretary Granholm announced this. This is something, as a, sci a fan of sci-fi and as a lifelong stud student of science, I have been fantasized for about 50 years. And that, that innovation means that in maybe in my lifetime, because 30, 40, 50 years, I can still be around, but certainly in my children's lifetime, there will be limitless clean power available to all of humanity, right? That's what that announcement means. And if you follow my logic for a second, I will draw that line from there to the creation of statins. What many of you listeners take and what I do take every day, right? The Crestor, Lipitor class of drugs, right? I was high cholesterol. I had high artery. I was considered at risk, blah, blah, blah. I've eaten too much cheese and red meat in my life, et cetera, et cetera. I started a statin, and the impact on my lipid, uh, lipid numbers are phenomenal, phenomenally amazing, amazing. Those innovations in digital health that will transform the way we live our lives, the way we get our health care, and the way the least fortunate amongst us get equal access to the best care in the world are still to come, and that will happen in the same way that everybody can watch a movie on Netflix, and in the same way that everybody can almost, everybody can buy something on Amazon, and in the same way that almost everybody can get in an Uber and get to work and a car is not... If you have a job, you can get there because the UberX will cost you or Lyft or whatever the case is. Those transformations are yet to come. It feels like we've spent a lot of time and money and energy. Where, where are we? But the, the groundbreaking innovations are just starting or haven't even started yet. And with that, I will leave you by saying I wish you and yours an incredibly happy and joyous holiday season a wonderful 2023, and I hope that all of us come closer together and that peace and harmony on earth increase and we find more ways to love and less ways to fight with our fellow human being. Thank you, everybody.